Hello, friends. This is Doug Scheibel, and welcome to the Premature Bible Institute. When I got ready to do this particular lesson, which is just simply review questions for all the previous lessons that we've uh, had already, I didn't know how long it was going to take me to do it, so I just did it, and I found out it took me a little over an hour, which is a little bit long for one particular lesson. So what I'm going to do on this one is cut this lesson in half. I've already done the lesson, uh, and rather than just trying to do it all over again, uh, what I'm going to do is just go to a certain point, then we'll cut her in half, and then I'll do the following ones uh, after that. But rather than doing a, like a one set of lessons on Sunday, and then the following Sunday do the rest of them, I'm going to do the first portion of it on a Sunday, and then the following Wednesday I will finish up with the other review questions. That way, that way I can get all of the review questions done in one week before the next lesson. So that being said, let's just get on with it, and I'll just uh, put this at the beginning of the other lesson that I was going to start. And you'll probably notice uh, for just a little bit anyway that there may be some repetition in what I'm saying simply because I'm just not going to take the time to edit out the other lesson that I did. All right, so let's get going. Thanks. I will be referring to this particular lesson as 16A because it's the first uh, in the set of review questions I'm going to be doing or the first half. And so uh, that being said, uh, we're going to uh, get on to these questions in just a second, but I want to remind you, if you have any questions about anything you've heard up to this point, go to tribalshibel.com and click on the contact tab at the top of the page, fill in your details, uh, and ask your question there. And I'll do my very best to answer any questions that you might have or might not have. Uh, but if you have any comments or thoughts, too, that would be fine to put those there also. And uh, that being said, uh, remember that this is just, uh, we're going to be working, the next two lessons are review questions, review lesson. We want to go over and make sure that uh, everything is understood about what we've talked about so far. So uh, <clears throat> that being said, also, uh, we want to start going ahead and reviewing a little bit from the last podcast. And then we'll start into the review questions. And if you remember in the last one, we talked about God creating the woman. And when he made the woman, he made the woman from the man. The woman was unique. It's very unique. Uh, and in, in this sense, everything else, all animal life, even the man, had been made from the dust of the ground, had made from the earth. But the woman was not. The woman was made from the rib of a man that God took out of him. So he opened up the man, took a rib out, closed the man back up again, and then he made the woman out of the rib. And so she is very, very unique in that way. Uh, no other creature uh, on earth can be said to have been created that way. And he made the woman. He made the woman from the man, and he made her as a perfect companion, a perfect counterpart to him, not as an adversary, but as two people working together to fulfill God's plan on the earth. Uh, <clears throat> like I said before, the term, they were made for each other, this is where that comes from. And the idea is that they were, the man was made for the woman, the woman was made for the man. But the man, the woman was made as a companion to the man. And remember what God said, he says, it wasn't good for man that he should be alone. And so he made the woman. And so he brought her to, and notice it says that God brought her, the woman, to the man. So we have the first marriage ever instituted right here. And Adam said that uh, she was now 
bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And he says, and for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh, so that they became one again. And uh, um, God gave them some specific instructions. They were to rule and manage over all the earth, all the plant life, the vegetation, everything on the earth. They were almost, in essence, the king and queen of the earth, uh, except that was the purpose of, of uh, why he created them, so that he could uh, they could look at all that God had done and just fulfill his plan for them and then be an example also to the angelic beings of uh, what God was doing through them. And then he had one other command. He said they were to have children and fill the earth with them and that they were to manage this earth. And so that's how that last lesson got going. Uh, so God uh, had the right to do that. Now, starting uh, going back to the very beginning lesson, we talked about the Bible and what does it mean. And and in thinking about uh, a book called the Bible or a book like the Bible, the question I think that needs to be asked is why would God want to communicate with mankind? Um, and I think it's because he wants us to know who he is. He wants us to understand who the creator is. He certainly didn't have to create us. Uh, like we said before, he existed for all eternity without us and was content and satisfied just as he was. So he was sharing who he was with something else so that something else could also enjoy uh, in a created universe that God would make for them. So, uh, um, but the Bible itself, uh, you know, uh, has a purpose in, in and of itself. Why would God give us his word in a written form. Why didn't he just tell people things and that's how it was and they pass things on from one to another? And, you know, I think it's because God wanted everyone to have a written word so that individuals could uh, evaluate their world around them. And then uh, in the same way, they would not be dependent upon other people to evaluate it for them. And I think this is one of the things that a lot of people uh, get confused. They think that the word of God is left to certain people, to certain um, individuals as the only means by which truth can be communicated. But that isn't true. The truth is God gave his word to all of us so that we could study it and understand who he was by what we read in there. And it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word scripture is the writings. And so he's not talking about just uttering things and then that's authoritative. He gave us something that is authoritative in that I, everybody can go back to it. They, it isn't subjective. It is objective. So uh, he didn't want people dependent upon other people in order to get truth. He wanted us to have a record of himself and all of his creation and everything about the world around them from God's perspective, not from our own perspective. So um, And so that begs the question, why, why should we take time to listen to what God has to say? And why? Why would you listen to anybody who is of any importance say anything? How many conferences do people go to just to listen to a particular person say a particular thing or about a particular subject? It's because they think that person's important and his, the, his or her message is, in, a, in essence, more authoritative than their own. But God wants us to listen to his message. Why? Not just because he's authoritative, but because he's perfect and good and right, and he cannot lie, and he's going to tell us the truth. He sh we should listen to him with very uh, with great care, let's put it that way. Um, so another question is, why would God choose for people to tell other people 
this great message to, uh, to mankind. In other words, why, why didn't he choose to just do this all himself or give it to the angels to do? Why has he chosen for people to tell other people? And why didn't he do this for uh, himself? And you know what? In a future lesson, we're going to answer that. But first, we have to build upon that. Uh, build upon a, a solid foundation so that we understand why he chose to use people to tell people. And he's not going to bypass that uh, particular um, method or uh, avenue by which truth is going to be communicated. So <clears throat> that's what he kind of wants us to understand about the Bible. The Bible is God's book. It's his record of himself from his perspective. But it's his, re- his record of everything from his perspective, about history, uh, about the spirit world, about uh, him, about us, about this world. Why is the world the way that it is? And uh, his book has been given to us so that we can evaluate those things. So going to that, now we need to go to the idea of God himself. And what about God? Does God need anyone or anything to exist? Well, if we believe that God was there, when everything began, then if he uh, if he was there before everything began, by nature he is an eternal being. Now he would have existed before anyone or anything. Therefore, would need no external needs of has no external needs of any kind. He exists by his own power, and he it says that he it tells us that he was a spirit. He has no physical needs or limitations. So, um, does God need to be taught anything? Uh, Does he need to be uh, shown how to do something? Can God learn? Well, obviously, if he's omniscient, he can't learn. Uh, And uh, he wouldn't need to learn to do something because he would already know how to do it. Uh, For God to learn uh, implies that there's something that he doesn't know. And since he existed before anything and everyone, then all knowledge wouldn't by nature come from him. So, since he existed before anyone or anything, can anything be superior to him? Well, obviously not. It would be like saying that a um, microchip uh, that a person uh, designs at a computer is more is superior to the one who designed it, which is silly, to be real honest with you, uh, that a light bulb is more um, uh, knowledgeable than Edison was. And so on, and all these different things, or that the telephone is more um, knowledgeable than Alexander Graham Bell was when he designed it. No, the person who designs or implements or brings something into existence is by very nature uh, greater than the thing that they create, because uh, it has to have that person's knowledge, but it doesn't have all of their knowledge, but it does have a lot of that knowledge in there. So... Um, nothing is superior to God. He is greater and he is sovereign over everything. So if there were no people in existence when everything began and only God was there, then who alone has the right to tell us how everything began? Well, only God was. He is the only uh, witness. This would be interesting to talk to somebody who is in a, in a court proceeding when they talk about witnesses and and how authoritative those things are, eyewitness of uh, testimony, or you know DNA, those types of things. Well, if DNA is evidence, then what about the one who created the DNA? That would be they would be have the right to tell you how DNA works, 
or all these different things. He would be alone, have the right to tell you how it all uh, comes into being. So what does it mean? Uh, another thing about God, when, it's, when we say that God is triune, it means that <clears throat> even though there are three distinct persons known as God, they are one God. They are not three separate gods. I don't claim to understand that, how that can be, uh, but we see that from the Bible that there are, are these persons, each one, claiming to be God and not um, correcting anybody when that happens. And so that either means it's true or it's not. If it's not true, then they don't need to be uh, uh, honored and revered. But if it is true, then they need to be worshipped as who they say they are. So we need to be very, very careful, and that's what we're going to be studying as time goes on. So God alone is supreme and sovereign over everything. Uh, now, one question, and I said, asked this over and over and over again in these lessons, can God do anything that is inconsistent with his nature and character? And the answer would have to be, no way. And if we understand that principle, then when we understand who God is, then we understand that no matter what happens, he will always act in the same way. He will act in accordance with who he is. And uh, sometimes that's where we get ourselves into problems, is that we, we, we have doctrines sometimes that really are diametrically opposed to the other doctrine. And rather than being willing to admit that we're wrong, we just say, well, God must be this, or this is what God is like rather than just going and studying the words and just looking at this logically and say, okay, if God is all-powerful, then there isn't anything that he can't do. But if God is all good, then that means everything he does is good, and he will not violate that aspect of his character. Therefore, whatever God does, he can do, but it will be good, whatever he does do. Uh, kind of the opposite of the Lex Luthor thing in the... Uh, um, Oh, the um, Justice League uh, movie where they're sitting there talking about that. If God is all good, then he can't be all powerful. And if God is all powerful, then he can't be all good. And that's what they were saying. But they don't understand. And uh, Lex Luthor was the one that was saying that. And it, that's just a, a statement of not understanding how a good God can be all powerful and vice versa. And uh, also how an all powerful God can be all good. It's because he doesn't live up to our standards. He lives up to his own standards, and he sees the end from the beginning. So um, now, if he was all-powerful, then would it be too hard for God to create spirits? Well, no, because he's all-powerful, and nothing is too hard for him to do. And if he creates the spirits, they will have that nature and character built in with them. He's able to do it, but they will be good, they will be perfect, uh, they will be whatever it is that reflects his nature and character. Um, the angels, the angelic beings, the spirit beings are created beings. They are finite. They are limited in their abilities. They can't do everything, but that doesn't mean they're not good or not perfect. It just means that they're limited on what they can do. They can't be everywhere at the same time. They can't know everything or do everything like their creator uh, can. Their ability to even exist comes from God. So when God created the spirits, uh, did he need their help? to create everything else? Well, of course not. Uh, once again, an all-powerful God doesn't need anything. He's eternal, therefore he's all-powerful, and even the spirits, like I said, ability to exist comes from him. So, and did he create the spirits without uh, any flaws, and were they perfect? Yes. Why? Because God is perfect, 
and God is not flawed, and therefore he won't create a flawed thing. Um, There would not have been one spirit being or anything that God has ever created that has been less than perfect. Okay, why? And once again, it's because God is perfect and doesn't have any flaws in him. Now, there was an author one time, his name was Sir Robert Anderson, and he once said this. He said, about the spiritual realm, we know absolutely nothing except what Scripture tells us. And then he says, to the Scriptures we must go. So we don't let movies, you know, about uh, there's a TV series called Touched by an Angel, a movie years ago with Brad Pitt called Meet Joe Black, and then there was The Exorcist. We can't let movies like that determine our view of angels or demons or whatever, or should uh, we can't let that be the thing that determines our view of them. We need to go to the Bible and the Bible alone. The Bible has the true answers about all the spirits in the spiritual realm. And uh, Lucifer, who was that one that we talked about, the anointed cherub who covers, would he have created him perfect and without flaws? Well, what does his nature demand him to do? It does. It demands him to create things perfect and without flaws, because that's who he is. He can only act in accordance with who he is. Um, I remember uh, one of my teachers at Bible school said this one time. He says, God is not bound by my interpretation of the scriptures. He's only bound by his character. And I thought that's really good. And I remember a, a lady one time challenged me on a view of God that I had. She says, aren't you putting God in a box? I said, of course. I says, but it's his box, and it just doesn't have any sides on it. And so God is infinite in his scope and in everything that he is. His perfection, his uh, power, his knowledge, it's absolutely perfect. There is no flaw. And it's infinite in its, in its character. So um, that's, we, uh, we need to understand that. So um, if, if that was the case then how could Lucifer, as we talked about in an earlier lesson, uh, um, how could he rebel against his creator if he was created perfect? And there's only one option, and that is that Lucifer had a will. For God to create a being who would rebel against him and create him to do that would tell us something about God. Just use this in your own life. If you decided to have a child and you designed that child to rebel against you, would that even make any sense? And I said, well, of course it wouldn't. And so why would we think God would do that? Um, he would have the will, the ability to choose uh, between obeying God or not. God didn't want robots to serve him. He wanted creatures who would serve him, not because they had to, but because they wanted to. Um, <clears throat> so um, Lucifer wasn't the only one who rebelled against uh, God. It says a great number of the angels decided to follow Lucifer rather than their creator. And we find out later on in Scripture that a third of the angels uh, turned against God and two-thirds of them did not. So think about that. Two-thirds of the angels stayed with God. So they made a choice also, and they decided to stay with him. So do you think, do you think in, your, in your mind that God knew what Satan was getting ready to do, what Lucifer was going to do? Well, if God is omniscient, what would you think? Of course he would. He would understand everything that was going on. Nothing surprises God. So, And not only that, since God knows everything, he knows the future from the uh, beginning. But that doesn't mean that God violated his character in order for a future to come out that wasn't 
what, you know, let's say he would have desired for him to have. Um, Once Lucifer and his followers decided to rebel against God, did he allow them to live with him in heaven? Um, No, he removed them from their position of authority uh, in heaven. And he wouldn't allow them to be his servants anymore. And so do they still have access to God? Well, we know that in the book of Job, it says that they approach God, uh, but heaven is no longer their home. Um, There was a a situation, a a test that had to come up. And so he did that, but um, that heaven is no longer a home for Satan anymore. So as a result of Lucifer's rejection of God and the other angels that rejected God, what was their punishment or what was their, the result of their rebellion? And it says that God created a lake of fire. It's a place of eternal punishment. They will never, ever, when they go to this place, will ever see God again. And so, um, and why did he, why did God create a place like this? See, when Lucifer and his followers decided to rebel against the creator, it wasn't as though they were walking by faith and had to, they, they, didn't understand who God was. They lived with God. They saw him face to face and still chose to rebel against him. Think of where they were living. They were living in heaven, the most glorious place that has ever existed, and with the most glorious person who ever existed, and yet they still turned against him. So therefore, there was no hope for him. Uh, They had turned their back on the things that they saw It wasn't a matter of them just wondering what it was going to be like uh, and not knowing. It's because they did know. So when Lucifer decided to rebel against God and chose not to follow him, he changed. His thinking became irrational. He thought that God was weak and stupid and not deserving of being God. He thought that he was the only one who deserved that position. How do we know? Because he says, I will ascend into heaven. I will be like, and then he finally says his last statement, the five I wills. He said, I will be like the most high. And there's another portion there too. It says where God says, you were perfect in your ways from the days that you were, from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. So Satan chose to turn against his creator. And uh, God uh, refers to them now as Satan, which means the adversary or enemy, and the followers or those that are with him, they call them, are called demons. So they don't act, or we don't know, um, when we say we know what they act like, it, we think of them as looking real evil and scary and all this. There's no indication in Scripture that they look any different than they did before. But at the same time, they act differently. And they, they just act completely different. They have turned against God, they hate God, and they hate everything about God. So um, um, when those angels turn against them, it isn't that their form changed, but their attitudes and everything about them changed. And now they look at things from an irrational perspective, such as, I will be like the Most High. Can the created say, I will be like the Creator? Well, of course not. That's like saying... Um, uh, a, what do you want to call it? A, uh, you build a Lego house is going to be greater than the one uh, the who created that Lego, Lego house. Uh, it isn't. It's just going to be a thing and you can smash it and do what you want. But it, can you imagine a, a Lego uh, 
character that you design and build and put up and everything, and all of a sudden they decide they're going to turn against you, well, you just smash it with a hammer or you hit it with your hand, it'll all come apart. So, um, the only ones who were there, the only ones who were there when Lucifer and his followers rebelled against him was God, Lucifer, and all of the spirit beings. So they were eyewitnesses to this whole event. And only God can tell us truthfully about this event. He's the only one. Why? Because he's the one that gave it to us in his word. God is perfect and flawless, and therefore he cannot lie to us. He cannot violate his nature and character by lying. Well, friends, this wraps up another edition of uh, this particular podcast. Now, remember, this was just the first half of those questions, review questions that dealt with everything we've learned up to this point. And the ones that will come out on Wednesday will be um, the second half that will finish up all the review that we've done uh, of all that we've uh, learned so far. And then after that, starting on Sunday, we'll deal with some different issues, and I think it'll be very important, and it will start answering a lot of questions of why the world is the way it is. So uh, with that being said, just uh, thank you so much. Be sure to pass this on to folks if you feel they would like to hear this or if you know anybody that would like to. And uh, remember that um, our goal here is for you to have an accurate view of who this person is who claims to be God. But it is also to help you have an accurate view of yourself, of other people, of the world around you, so that you can evaluate events and situations from God's perspective, not your own. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday.